Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, everyone. All right. We are back. Yes, we took last week off after our 100th episode, which hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen or watch our 100th episode. We had a bunch of guests and we had a lot of fun. I highly recommend you checking that one out if you have not gotten a chance to. But we're back and we got a brand new show and we've got lots of great content for you. Uh, We're going to be talking about the box office or lack thereof. Uh, We're going to be talking upcoming movies, Blade Runner and the potential new series coming out. Uh, We'll explore why no one was able to make a good young adult series after The Hunger Games. And of course, our watch list. All right, Rob, you ready to get started? I am. Let's go. Uh, So we'll start off with the box office, such that it was over this past week. Um, It has been um, to say there's been a lack of big time movies coming out is uh, a bit of an understatement. And the box office this past weekend really, really showed that. Uh, Number one was Barbarian which uh did 3.8 million that was your number one in the box office barbarian at 3.8 million and that was a woman staying in an airbnb discovers that the house she had rented is not what it seems so you get a horror movie at 3.8 million as your number one in its first week in the boxes box office number two was brahmastra part one shiva at 2 million in its first week bullet train stuck around at number three making eight hundred and sixty five thousand dollars i mean we're getting to the point where we're well under a million dollars in the box office here life mark another movie in its first week did eight hundred and fifty five thousand and the mainstay top gun maverick in there at the top five eight hundred forty five thousand in its 16th week in the box office um so rob not a lot here man yeah, Top Gun Maverick is just going to be in the top five forever. <laughs> just convinced of that at this point. Well, especially if they don't ever bother putting out like decent movies or like mm-hmm. my big time releases anytime. Just we'll go months without them. You know, that's all right. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you're talking less than $8 million for your entire top five in the box office. That's. I mean, nobody went to the movies last weekend. That's basically what this is saying. Nobody went to the movies. I did. <laughs> you did. Awesome. I'm nobody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you and 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 you and, and well, at least two other people were with me. So okay, all right, all right. You're welcome, Hollywood. That's right. Doing their part. <laughs> um. So what what do you make of the lack of movies and the overall box office? I guess it's just how it's going to be sometimes. Yeah. I don't think you can read too much into it. It's just how the industry operates. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have big, huge tentpole releases come out every week. and Or even like indie-type movies that people are really interested in. Just not going to happen every week. 
I am surprised because with all the movies that got backlogged, I am surprised that it has been as bare as it's been some of the weeks over the late summer, early fall here. That really does surprise me. And, and that, you know, on a week like this one, where you have small releases that nobody put even a little bit of marketing budget to try and get the attention of the box office. Uh, it's just interesting. Uh, but that's it for uh, for the box office review. Now we've got uh, four movies coming out this week, and there are some potential ones that people would be interested in looking at. Uh, the first one to come out this week is See How They Run. And this is the uh, a movie set in, in the West End of 1950s London, plans for a movie version of a smash hit play to an abrupt halt after a pivotal member of the cast is murdered. Um, this one stars um, Kieran Hodgson, Pearl Shonda, uh, Gregory Cox, and Harris Dickinson. Uh, second up on our list is the movie Pearl. And Pearl stars uh, Mia Goth and David Kurenswit. Uh, Emma Jenkins Peruto and Alistair Sewell. And this is the story of how Pearl became a vicious killer seen in X. Okay. And um, the last one, the one that's been getting the most attention in terms of, um, you know, promotions and, and box office um, on those type of things is The Woman King. Um, this, of course, stars of Viola Davis, and this is a historic epic based in an alternate history of the Kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful states in Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries. So this is kind of a historical battle drama type uh, action movie. And finally, you have, uh, this is the release weekend for Moon Edge Daydream. Moonage Daydreamer. Uh, and this is uh, the movie, of course, about uh, David Bowie, Moonage Daydream. And this is a cinematic epic exploring David Bowie's creative and musical journey from visionary director Brett Morgan. And this is the one that kind of has like some uh, concert footage mixed in with some other things that looks very psychedelic and very... Um, interesting uh i couldn't find it in any of the box offices around here maybe it'll be coming in subsequent weeks uh but that's also out if you can find where to where to look at it so rob what do you make of uh the movies for this week well obviously the one i'm most excited to see is the one that isn't anywhere yeah so i'm <laughs> hoping that it will find its way um to a wider release somewhere around here because i want to see not sure if it's Moon Age or Moon Age. I've been saying Moon Age, but I could be wrong. It could be, um, yeah. Uh, Daydream, because I I like David Bowie quite a bit, and I've also thought that he's done a uh, he did a uh, pretty stellar job with some of the roles he um, took on as an actor later on in his life. Um, prestige man, very prestige. Yes. Um. So I'm interested in that. Um. Pearl looks absolutely in, insane. <laughs> oh, the trailer for that played before the movie I saw mm. uh, over the weekend. And 
see how they run, I think, looks pretty intriguing. I'm probably check that one out in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I would really like to see see how they run. This was one of the ones I flagged on our fall preview that I was most interested in. Um, I love the whole murder mystery aspect of it. Um, 1950s London setting is kind of intriguing. Um, it has a little bit of a no-name cast, but I think that could bode well for a film like this because it's going to focus on the story. Um, I'm not buying the hype of The Woman King. I'm, I, I don't know that it's going to be the smashing success that people think it is. Um, but who knows? You know, a lot of people might want to go see it. There's not a ton. Um, there's not a ton of other big releases. And it's the only one that's really getting any promotion in any in any major way. I mean, those of us who've gone to the theaters a bunch have seen some of the trailers for some of these other ones. But there hasn't been a ton of promotion. So if you're looking to go to the box office, probably the only one you've even heard of at this point is going to be The Woman King. I like the Woman King better when it was called Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'll let you connect the dots to make that joke for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's coming out this week. Uh, so if you're in for an adventure, there'll be plenty of options for you. And with a lot of stuff, you probably don't know a whole lot about. So if you ever wanted to do one of those where you just go to a movie and, and see the next show that's playing, uh, this could be an opportunity to try that. And you might find something that's interesting and something that's different. So uh, give it a whirl. Uh, now we'll move on to our discussion topics for this evening. And <clears throat> the first one comes to us, and this is a little bit of a crossover uh, between TV and movies, but it uh, it is distinctly... Uh, born out of movies and we've crossed this ground before but uh, Blade Runner 2099 is uh, a series that has been greenlit by Amazon Prime and of course the reason why we're talking about this is because this will be a TV a limited run TV series that follows up in the same universe as um, two previous uh, really, really good films. Uh, of course, the tent pole was the 1982 uh, movie Blade Runner starring Harrison Ford, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, that is still considered one of the most groundbreaking sci-fi movies ever to have been made. Uh, and then the follow-up that, the excellent, extremely well done uh, follow-up in 2017, Blade Runner 2049, which is directed by Dennis Villanueva mm -hmm. and starred Ryan Gosling. So out of that cinematic universe is coming this series um, from Amazon uh, set 50 years in the future. Uh, Rob, what do you make of a Blade Runner series based off of these movies? And of course, the original uh, movie was based off a book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sleep by Philip K. Dick, who was a fantastic sci-fi writer. Um, what do you make of this? Well, I love Blade Runner, so give me more mm -hmm. Blade, please. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, the thing I think I like the most about this series is they're saying it's a limited series. Yeah. Because I think there have been some really cool things that have come out in limited series form, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's about Star Wars or sci-fi, or um, even if you look at some of the series that are like anthology series like American Horror Story, et cetera, those, yeah. are, those are technically, I would say, limited series because each mm -hmm. season 
that's a thing of its right. own. And I, and I think mo- most, the biggest one I think of is Fargo. Yeah. Um, Cause every mm-hmm. season of Fargo is its own story. And I think when you mm-hmm. are able to keep yourself tethered to that, like six to nine episodes or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, you do a much better job of developing a cohesive story with a start and end point. Yeah. And if you have a, a series that just goes and goes until it's over. And I, I, I think the Blade Runner model and stories fit that kind of limited series idea really well. Yeah, totally agree. And, and there's, I mean, it's such a big universe with so many potential storylines that we just never, ever, ever get to see. Um, there was, there, there was a short anime series that's out. I think it's still on HBO max. Um, set in the Blade Runner universe as well. Mm. Um, but there's so many potential storylines. I mean, Blade Runner 2049 um, mentions like all the off-world stuff that's going on and you never go off-world in that in that entire film. So there's so much there to be developed um, that remains to be seen. Uh, so I think this is absolutely great potential content um, if they do it right. Uh, the article, which we'll link to in the, the show notes, uh, talks about the fact that they understand that this is this is a somewhat sacred sci-fi ground uh, and they need to do it justice. <clears throat> um, so what do you make? I mean, going, going to the larger trend of this, we're seeing this kind of pathway between TV and movies uh, and TV and series movies being worn out in ways that we haven't seen in the past. Um you mentioned Fargo is one great example. You take a hit movie, you turn it into a TV series. We're seeing this right now with uh, the Lord of the Rings. We had all of those movies and now Amazon prime developed uh, is developing the Cimmerillion into the rings of power. Uh, we see this in a bunch of other contexts. Uh, Marvel's doing this a bunch where they're bringing some of their characters from movies back in. Uh, you even saw it a little bit. There was some attempts to do it in network television when you when you had TV series about um, the Minority Report and um, um, oh, what was the Bradley Cooper movie um, where he takes the the pill? Oh, Limitless. Limitless. Yeah, there was a Limitless series. Even network TV tried to do some of that that stuff and but this pathway is getting worn out more and more and um and what we're seeing too is that these are not just straight tv series they're doing a lot of them are doing heavy budgets um star wars similar um bigger bigger budget features for some of these tv series that so that they look more like the realms of film uh we've been talking for a while about kind of the merger of tv and film is this just another step on the journey or what do you make of this yeah, like you said, uh, with Blade Runner exploring the vast world, the depth of uh, story that there is there, I think that's where developing it in the TV series model gives you an advantage. Because if you have eight hours of space to tell a story, you're going to be able to look at more intricate areas of that story. Yeah. You're able to not have to leave a whole bunch of things on the cutting room floor that you would have to in a movie. Mm -hmm. I think that if there is engagement and desire to be engaged with some of these characters, 
it will draw people to it. Um, I think a really good example of this is the Bubba Fett series hmm. on Disney Plus because I, a whole lot of people, myself included, really like that character and wanted to see more of where that character came from, what that character might have done after the events of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see if in the new series, if it's tied into 2049 at all, or if it's a completely separate thing. Yeah, it's interesting we, we don't, have 50 years in the future. I mean, we don't want to, we're not going to spoil 2049 if you haven't seen it yet, but there is a connection to mm-hmm. the original runner. Um, and obviously that was set about 50 years before. So I wonder if there'll be a connection with this series or not. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think you're definitely going to see more of this going on. Um, like you said, there's the two different formats offer you different, different things. You can get much bigger with movies and you have more time with TV series. So the, the interesting thing we'll see if it, if it ping pongs back and forth as much as it does, or if, or if we get this, um, kind of settled effect where, where the lines, um, are redrawn as it were along certain categories where only the bigger stuff gets it or, or if it just continues to trickle down, I'm not sure. Um, okay. Uh, so secondly on our discussion topics for the evening is an article you found, uh, that you brought to my attention about, um, it's called the hunger games and it's it's asking it's Hunger Games the anniversary of the teen dystopia is ten years ago that the Hunger Games, uh, the original Hunger Games came out. As nobody ever found the next Hunger Games, but boy did they try. And it's a really interesting article. Um, random, unnecessary political nonsense uh, aside from it, um, it's a really interesting article and look at uh, how how Hollywood basically chased the next big hit young adult series and never really found one that worked super well. Um, now it draws, it draws the distinction because the predecessors for this, obviously you have the massive, they talk about the massive Harry Potter franchise. Uh, they also talk about after that came the twilight series, which was uh, hugely successful. And on the heels of that came the hunger games. Uh, which of course is a very dystopian teen young adult franchise that did huge amounts in the box office uh, through almost its entire run, even did um, the whole thing that that Twilight and Harry Potter did in splitting the final book into two different movies. And it was very, very successful. And as often is the case in Hollywood, once you find something that the audience is interested in, you get lots more of that. Um, you saw this in the early 2000s with the success of Gladiator brought a whole slew of uh, sword and sandal historical pictures, uh, some of which did well and some of which didn't. And um, you see this, uh, you saw this quest going forward with, the hunger games and so many series came on the wayside to try and follow up with that. And none of them were ever really successful. Um, examples include, uh, Ender's game, the maze runner series, the giver, the host, 
uh, beautiful creatures, Percy Jackson, uh, the immortal instruments. And the article goes through and basically talks about there was a template that had success in the Hunger Games that then tried to replicate that exact same template, most of them based on young adult novels. So what did you, what did you make of this article? And why do you think that uh, no one was really able to find the next one? There's part of me that wonders if part of the Hunger Games success compared to the other ones is that it came first. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I wonder if I, I, I really do wonder if like the Divergent series came first or the Maze Runner series came first, would they have had as much success and would the Hunger Games be seen as the copy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because because I I th- I just think there's so much in common between all of them. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't uh, I'm sure there are fans some fans of the Hunger Games might like be really upset <laughs> <laughs> by that opinion or think that it is so far and away um, superior or distinctive story wise, but I really don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I I I agree. There's 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 so many common themes that it's really hard once you get to some of these other ones to say like oh this isn't just what i saw previously this isn't just a copy of the other one i think that position of being there first really does make a big difference i think um in particular this this article talks about how the closest one really was the divergent series both in terms of how much money some of the original ones the first ones made and in terms of like the marketing the push they really really tried to make this one the next version of the hunger games to some degree of success i think one of the issues there was they diverged from the books enough that it really turned fans off and um you can see a decrease in quality in the films to the point where even though the first one's made over 200 million, the last one just like tanked hardcore and they didn't even release the fourth one. Um, So I think there was some quality issues with some of these ones. Um, But I think, I do think that position of being first makes a big difference. I don't buy much into the, Oh, well we thought we were further away from dystopia. Oh, look now it's dystopia. I think it just saturated the market. I think that's, I think there's not a ton more to think about. Think about. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I didn't even realize, I don't think before reading this article that there was going to be a fourth <laughs> movie, <laughs> the divergent series yeah. that did come out. Yeah. Uh, I do think, I do think that Jennifer Lawrence did a pretty good job. As mm-hmm. the main character in the Hunger Games series, I do think you should give her some credit. Yeah, for that. Um, but that, I mean, that again is another thing. Like, could it have been any number of actors in that role, or was there something about her performance in particular that made it become the success it was? Well, I think you've seen that Lawrence has had a had a good enough run. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say career because I mean, lately it hasn't been particularly fantastic. Um, but she had a good enough run 
and including winning an Oscar that I think you would say that that's not something that you've seen from a lot of the actors in some of these other series. Um, so I think there could be something to the fact that she was, that she does act better than, than the leads in some of these other series. Um, did you have, first of all, I don't love the Harry Potter comparison here. I think Harry Potter is something different in kind mm -hmm. entirely. I mean, the scale and the scope of the sales of those books and the popularity is just, I mean, it's, it's on the level of star Wars and, and those type of things. It's not, it is not even in the same realm as something like twilight, which was very successful. So I don't think that the, the Harry Potter comparison really belongs in this particular article, but they do reference it a bunch. Um, twilight does make a lot of sense in this one. Cause it was kind of the, I would say it's really the first of this genre of, of taking the young adult fiction and, and making a very, very successful movie series out of it. So I think that's a better comparison, a better mm -hmm. starting point for this personally. Um, what would you say of the ones that came after the Hunger Games? Did you have, uh, have you seen most of them? And do you have a favorite or which one you thought was best that you like best? Um, I've seen a fair few of them. I would say my favorite, but not because it's the best, was the Maze Runner series. And I think mm -hmm. it's just because yeah. I, I guess I just enjoyed the story. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it was particularly like a great story or anything, but I kind of liked some of the, I, I thought there were some unique elements to it. I mean, the whole maze thing is a pretty unique thing. Yeah. Um, and I like seeing that story get developed although i thought in the third one it got a little um crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i was not familiar with the book series when i went into that I, I found the first maze runner movie especially early very interesting it was very captivating and compelling uh you put a bunch of young adults in this unknown environment like this and it really is a mystery and they held the mystery and the tension through it for most of that movie um, it's in the second, you know, end of the first and then the second movie, we're like, oh, it's just another dystopian universe, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of loses its steam. But that the Maze Runner itself, that first movie really did well. Um, I'm also a particular fan of Ender's Game uh, just because Orson Scott Card is, is a legend in the sci-fi and sci-fi writing. And I thought Ender's Game was actually well done. Um, so that would be that would be the ones that I I thought were were best in terms of um, follow ups. But yeah, I mean, I did see all of the Divergent series, and mm. as I was watching them, it was just kind of my my reaction was kind of like, eh. yeah, I like mean, I've seen. <laughs> yeah, they were fine. Sure, whatever. <laughs> nothing really to nothing really to write home about. Yeah, to be honest. But yeah. They're interesting, but we'll link to that article and you can check it out if you're interested in, in the full breakdown of uh, why nobody was able to follow up the Hunger Games. Okay, so that's uh, the end of our discussion. So let's move on to our watch list, movies that we've watched over the last week. Rob, I know you went to theaters. What did you see? So I did go to the theaters and I saw Barbarian. Okay. On the box office. So no surprise there. Yeah. Um. I, uh, so I was asked if I wanted to go see this, um, by my best friend because she had heard that, 
um, people were saying it was the scariest movie that had come out in a long time. Hmm. And so I went and saw it and I don't think it was the scariest movie that's come out in a long time. I okay. think it was. And, and, and the, it, isn't, what's interesting to me is the more horror movies that I go and see, the more I am starting to recognize and group them into kind of subcategories. Okay. Uh, because horror is a pretty wide genre if you yeah. start watching a lot of it. <clears throat> and to me, this was more not so much straight horror as much as it was disturbing. Mm. I think that's a little bit different than being like a horror movie. Okay. Because although there was some blood and guts in the movie, it was not like a, certainly not a slasher type movie, Mm -hmm. not a jump, not a jump scare type movie. There were a couple in it, but that's not what it was focused on. It was really more the disturbing story of, and it's called barbarian because it's really the disturbing story of one guy and what he ends up doing. Okay. Interesting. It's set in Detroit. Hmm. Um, it's set in Detroit in the modern day, but also in the 1950s. Hmm. And if you know anything about the neighborhoods, suburbs, surroundings of Detroit and what has happened to some of them um, from the 1950s to the present day, that might give you an idea of what kind of story. Yeah. Is told in the movie. Um, I think the standout performance for me was Justin Long, hmm. who is known for being in funny things. He's not known for being in horror things, much less serious things. Yeah. And um, he plays a total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but he does it really well. And uh, it's interesting when his story line comes in because you're wondering how on earth is this connected to what just happened in the first half an hour of this movie because it seems like it doesn't make any sense at all but um they make the connection pretty quick and then he's a big part of the third act of the movie um it's definitely uh not family friendly (laughs) (laughs) at all um it's quite disturbing uh i don't want to give too much of the story away if you like scary movies, you'll probably at least appreciate it for what it is. I didn't think it was a great movie by any stretch, but um, you know, I didn't regret going to see it. So there you go. Um, the other movie that I watched was a rewatch of Moonfall, which is now on HBO Max. <laughs> you did it. You watched it again, if you huh? Have HBO Max. You should subject yourself to this torture immediately <laughs> because it is hilarious. Interesting. Um. Like the best, the best terrible movies, in my opinion, are terrible movies where the people making them were trying to make like they were they were serious. Mm-hmm. They were trying to make like a, what they thought was a good movie. Because my goodness, there, this movie, there's just so much, there's so much about it. It's just, it just gets crazier and crazier, and just when you think it can't get crazier, it gets a little crazier, and it's completely, absolutely over the top, stupid. <laughs> from the opening sequence where they're uh astronauts in outer space working to repair a telescope and they're arguing about the lines to toto's africa because the one guy insists that um the line is i missed the rains down in africa oh gosh <laughs> yeah that's the kind of movie you got right there that's that about sums sums it up okay um, yeah, you, you should 
you should definitely never watch, but you should also watch this movie. <laughs> so Moonfall was the other one that I watched. Okay. Uh, I watched two as well. I watched uh, Uncharted, which was um, a kind of a treasure hunt movie with Tom Holland and um, Mark Wahlberg. It was kind of, they really wanted it to be an Indiana Jones type movie. Um, they really tried to lay it out like that. It just didn't quite work. Um, you know, when you're trying to pull something off and you're trying, but it almost looks like you're trying a little bit too hard and it just doesn't quite end up being as believable as it needs to be. Uh, that's kind of what I felt about Uncharted. Um, the, the character interactions always felt a little bit forced, um, it was hard to really get into or believe fully believe the characters in their, in their roles. I don't know that the writing was as strong as it needed to be. I don't necessarily blame the acting performances on it, but I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's not a terrible movie. It just, it's obvious that what they're trying to go for and that they don't pull it off. So there, there's its own kind of category when you're watching a movie like that. That makes it a different experience. I mean, when you're watching a Fast and the Furious movies, you know that they're you know that they're bad in the way that they're going to be bad, but there there's an enjoyableness to it. Or even like what you were talking about with Moonfall, is is like you can kind of separate yourself out from it and enjoy it for what it is. Um, watching a movie that's trying really hard and can't quite do it is just it just it doesn't have the same level of experience to it. Uh, so it's okay um, if you're in the mood for for something you don't have to think about too much. Sure, go for Uncharted. Uh, another one that I really like is a uh, it's a, a personal favorite of mine, and that's Baby Driver. Have you seen Baby Driver? I still have not seen it, despite okay. continuations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Baby Driver is really interesting. It's one of the most musically driven movies you will ever see. Uh, music is a huge, huge part of this movie. The main character, played by uh, Ansel Elgort, um, has a, a condition with tinnitus where he's constantly listening to music to kind of drown it out. And the way uh, Edgar Wright directs this, um, so much of the movie and the scenes itself line up with the beats of the music and the flow of the music, like whole scenes are orchestrated and shot um, to the exact flow of the music he happens to be listening to in that moment. It's really unique. Um, but it's, uh, it also has uh, uh, Lily James in it and um, John Hamm is in it. And, uh, of course, Kevin Spacey. Uh, but it's basically a story about a, a wheelman. Um, he's a guy who who were, is in debt to Kevin Spacey, and he's great at driving. And he's basically the getaway driver for all these different heists. And he uh, meets Lily James, and romance ensues, and, you know, he gets into all sorts of trouble. Uh, but it's really unique and an interesting movie from the standpoint of how um, they use the music throughout the movie. And how and how the director integrated that into the actual cinematography of the film. Nice. Yeah. So I recommend seeing Baby Driver. All right. You got anything else? I don't. Okay. 
That is all we have on this episode of Film for Fans. Uh, make sure you check out filmforfans.com where we have articles, reviews, and plenty of other things to look at. And tell your friends about the podcast. And we'd love to have all of you join us. Until next time, enjoy the movies.